Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Hello and welcome back. You are in for a really special treat today. It's a very powerful experience and I'm excited for you and I appreciate you joining me today. Already I feel emotional because I'm so appreciative of this awesome angel that is joining us today. I have Ashley Air with me today. So, hello, Ashley. Hi. So good to be here. <laughs> yeah, so good to have you. Ashley, in her courage, just reached out to me and said, you know, hey, I really like the Like Dragons Do They Like Bite podcast. And if you would like, I'd love to be a guest on your podcast. And I was like, so amazing. And the reason why it's so amazing for you, the listener, and for me to be here with Ashley is that this request of hers comes from a place of heartfelt desire. And yeah, Ashley, before you tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of just, you know, as a really awesome gal, just tell us what is your desire? to happen today in this podcast and why would you want to reach out so good today if i can shine some light on um, the topic of addictions especially for young people and specifically girls i just want them to know that they're not alone and that there is hope for them and that they can come to find jesus christ themselves and they can build the support team and you know find the lights and that they can 
be on a team with Christ. And it's just so beautiful just being on this side um, and that they can do it. Yeah. It's not like I'm anyone special, you know, I'm not a prophet or anything. I'm just an ordinary girl. So I want others to find that out today. So good. And if you as the listener are just an ordinary girl like Ashley, that is so powerful to be an ordinary girl who says, I know what it's like to be completely isolated and to not feel and to feel like, you know, if you're a girl and you're struggling with sexual self mastery issues in your life, it can be extremely isolating because it's something very few people talk about, right? And it's hard to find other young women who openly will say, I'm an ordinary, powerful girl who really cares about wanting something more, you know, for me than where I'm kind of being held. And yeah, to just like you said, on the other side of this is awesome. So before you go into the other side of this, I just am thinking, so cool to just get to know you. Yeah, just help us get to know you and just your really ordinary, beautiful life so that everybody here can see, yeah, her life is so much like my life. I'm the same girl as her. Okay, so I am 20 years old. I come from a big family. We're raised in the church, which is Christ of Latter-day Saints. I have, what, seven siblings? So I'm the third. And two amazing parents. We live in Utah on a small farm. So that's pretty fun. <laughs> I love performing. I love acting in plays. I love singing. I love to play the piano. I've been playing for about 13 years. I also teach piano lessons. I work at a daycare with my sisters. What else? I like to talk about addictions on the side. I just do that on some podcasts. I love to go country swing dancing. It's super random, but that's just something I've been picking up this year. And I love to dance. Yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Wow. Oh, you know, country swing dancing has been one of my dreams in life. Like... Uh yeah, literally, when I was younger, I liked it so much. And then I've always just thought, I'm just going to get so good at this and do this forever. And then that didn't happen. But, oh, it's so fun. That is really <laughs> fun. <laughs> so neat. And so how long have you been just, you know, because it sounds like you've been into piano for several years and, you know, been disciplined enough at it that now you can teach it. What a awesome blessing. And... I just wondered two questions. One is, when did you start acting and things? And then you said with all your sisters, is that like a daycare that you run with your sisters? Like you own it or are you just- No, they just work with me. Okay. Oh, um, yeah. So good. All right. And when did you start thinking, I love to act. I like to do plays. I think that was when I was around 12 years old. Yeah. It's been about eight years. I just like to do a lot of like community plays. Yeah, just some random stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, just your little life story. It sounds like if I met you at church 
if I met you at school, if I saw you in seminary, I would think she just does a lot of things that are really neat. And she's a really neat girl. She probably doesn't do anything that makes her sad at all. Like me, I do things that make me sad, you know? But I'll bet you she doesn't, cause she's just, she plays the piano like crazy. She She's not afraid to be in front of people. She is really friendly and kind. She has this really loving family that they all get along with each other and they have fun together. I wish my life wasn't as sad as my life and it was more like her life. Can you hear a young woman thinking things like that, Ashley? Oh, for sure. I feel like that is a huge thing for everyone growing up, you know, just going to high school. And that's very common for girls comparison, especially with like social media all the time and I know I still do that too for yep. sure but that is definitely not true <laughs> yeah but you are just an ordinary girl who loves what is available and is your strengths in life and what has been brought to you but it is so awesome and so kind of you to come on today and share with us that ordinary powerful girls struggle so thank you for that. Will you just tell us, go into, you know, as deep of details as you feel comfortable so that we can really see that is a real thing. Like this girl is so cool, but this is her struggle. And so many young women are struggling and none of them are using their voice anywhere about it and feeling so alone and isolated. Yeah, so I guess I'll take you back to when I was 11. Up until that time, life had been really, really awesome, really smooth, very comfortable. But when I turned 11, so many things happened. So we actually moved from our comfortable home an hour away to Bluffdale, Utah, and into this grandma house with like two bedrooms for seven kids at that time. We were homeschooled before, and then we jumped right into school. Like to public school? private school. Yeah. Okay. So it was just a huge shock. Yeah. And then on top of that, I had like my parents did the sex talk and they gave me a phone and just so many things happened around this time. I ran into some books that like even like dictionaries, uh, the weirdest things. And it had some suggestive pictures and stuff. And so I got all curious about that. And then when I had my smartphone, when I was 12 years old, I found social media and with that came pornography. And I was just so curious and I didn't know much about it at all. And so I definitely was interested in that. And my parents had no idea. They did everything that they knew, you know, like parental controls and everything. Like, so I just, sorry, you go. I just wanted to just kind of interrupt you rudely right there and just say <laughs> it is so normal for us to see other people in a picture or otherwise and get really curious about our body their body because we're sexual beings right like it's so normal for you to have feelings and want to know more about that that is a real thing and so acceptable and normal but because it's you know, you said your parents had the sex talk with you. It just makes me think most parents talks about that or about 
Well, here's kind of how that works, but maybe it feels a little bit awkward and private, even though they've given you this important talk. Did you kind of feel like when you saw that picture, got your phone, like, why didn't you just like go talk to your parents and ask them like, hey, why don't we just talk a little bit more about bodies without clothes on them? <laughs> yeah. Let's just talk about that more. Can we talk more about that? Like, it's so normal that, yeah, that we, yeah, yeah, it's not comfortable. It's hard. Right. That is a really good point. I don't know why I didn't come to them. Yeah. them. I guess like they didn't, I don't want to like blame them or anything, but yeah. you know, it just wasn't brought up in a way like you might run into this, you know, and if you do come talk to me, like they definitely did talk about that later, like when I was probably 14 years old. But by that time I was so into it. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm already, I already have this bad habit. I'm not going to come tell you because right. <laughs> that's embarrassing. I don't want to. So I, don't know. I didn't feel safe to talk about that. I didn't want them to see me as, I don't know, any less perfect, I guess. Than I than I actually was, you know. I didn't want. I also didn't want to add onto their plate. I didn't want them to worry about me. So that that's a big reason why I didn't come and talk to them. And their perception of you probably was just like that teenage girl that's looking at you in seminary and at young women's or whatever. Like she has just got it all together. She's doing just fine. So just is that true? Did your parents kind of have that thought about you or? Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. At least that's what it felt like. You know, they just kind of treated me differently because I am a super responsible person. I've kind of always been right by their side, you know, always helping and just a really good girl. And so I don't think that they really worried about me at all. So that would have been really scary for me to come and open up about that. Yeah. It probably would have shocked them. Mm -hmm. Shocked them yeah. and and like you say that there's these stories that we have in our head like if they knew this that would just change everything like yeah i'm excited for you to get to the part of your story where they finally found out and you can tell <laughs> us what they that the, how they kicked you out and all that stuff oh yeah oh yeah for sure <laughs> no <laughs> nope <laughs> yeah okay keep going so you're 14 okay. you have a phone and it's gotten to this point. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah. So yes, I'm getting into just this life that's so different. And I have this phone and I'm doing school and I'm getting so involved in the plays and piano and performing at rest homes, just so many things going on in my life. And I'm just feeling so stressed. And so what I keep coming to are my bad coping mechanisms, which is numbing out on my phone that includes social media and gaming and pornography. I would do that every day, you know, and mostly at nighttime because, you know, that's the best time <laughs> when your parents aren't aware. You can just take your phone into your bedroom, which is a big no-no, parents. It's like, yeah. turn, <laughs> take the phones at night. Let's see. Let's hear that again because as parents, we might have kids that are highly responsible and mm -hmm. totally trust them with a the phone. And to know that's just like handing them a little loaded gun that they've, right? Like, 
Oh, yes. No matter how wonderful they are, that's just not something you say. Freedom. All freedom you want with that. Yeah, it's asking too much of a child. And a teenager is a child, right? Yeah. And it's just asking too much of them to be, no matter how responsible or righteous or good or things that you know they know and that they are like, it's too much to hand someone a loaded gun and not tell them that it could hurt them and how mm -hmm. to use it, right? It's, yeah. To be. Yeah. And kind of going off what you just said there, it's really interesting, like, really, like, I, I had such a love-hate relationship with my phone, and I just honestly wanted my parents to take my phone away from me, which sounds crazy, you know, so many kids are so obsessed with their phone, they have to have it with them everywhere, but, like, deep down, I was just like, I wish my parents would come and find me on my phone at night and just take it away, like, I'm so sick of hiding this, I'm so sick of being stuck to this addiction, but I don't want to bring it up to them, you know? Wow. So. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that piece of it, you know, because yeah, it's such a, I don't know what the term is, catch 22. I don't know what it is, but it's such a crazy thing to think you're in this pattern. You have this dependence on this device that helps you to cope with your life, but you also are still connected to your awesome, powerful, ordinary girl that's amazing, who you just know, this is not what I want. This is not me. And it's so, yeah, probably just was making your soul sad. Yeah. And it was really affecting me in so many different ways I was noticing. Like mm -hmm. my schooling, I was such, such a great student. And then I just noticed all my grades were dropping. And just like even my relationships with my family and my friends, just everything was being affected. And it really scared me seeing the path that I was on. I didn't, I didn't like it. And yeah. So when I was probably, what, 16? I don't know. End of 2017. Yeah. So I was 16 years old. I was just so ready to open up and tell someone and get some help. And so I was writing notes that I could slip to my bishop or to even my parents. And I was just so ready to tell someone. I was just reaching out for help. So you were, um, like writing, you were like writing these little notes that you would maybe not give away, but it would be like, hello, I just would like you to talk to me for a minute. Yeah, I wanted to slip it to them, but I couldn't get the courage to do it. <laughs> so. but you were writing the letters and you had um, them in your possession. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just go back a little bit you said that your, the way you performed in school started to change. Your relationships yeah. started to change. Like just for the young women out there who might be struggling and also the parents of these young women, that is such a normal teenager thing to do, right? Oh, their grades are changing or they're kind of being a lot more rude and moody than usual. We just kind of write that off as, that's just, just a teenager. Yeah, just teenager stuff. Like, what do you think? would have been helpful just right there for parents to be maybe just to be sensitive to and for you know you thinking could you please just catch me and take my phone this is like ridiculous it's hard you know yeah like either side like if you could go back and just talk to Ashley where she was from where you are now what would you say to Ashley that was feeling like god 
I'm getting so much contention about me inside of me to the point that I'm not going to do good in school like I was. It's going to affect the way I act around people that I love. Yeah. What would you tell her and what would this Ashley right now go back and say to the parents and say, that was actually me looking like that? Maybe this question would have been helpful. You know? I would tell myself that it's not worth it. It's not worth it to keep going down this path. And that Satan is really putting a lot of shame into this. He's really exaggerating. Like your thought of when you're going to talk to your parents, they're going to explode and they're going to be so mad. They're going to kick you out of the house. <laughs> you know, it's just not true. And wish that I knew that there were so many people that would be so happy to help and be on my side, but I, I just didn't realize that that was all shame. That was all from Satan. And I wish that I could tell her that yeah. that would have changed so much. Right. And to also know that I'm not alone that there's other people struggling and yeah, to reach out for help. Yeah. So to not wait. Yeah. Not wait another day. So. Yeah. Don't yeah. wait one more day. Let me introduce you to the father of lies. He's all over in this and let's hold hands and just get beyond that. So yeah. What would you say to a parent? Yeah. Are you, are you mostly wanting like warning signs or what do you yeah. say? Yeah. Just like, you know, you, maybe that's what you were exhibiting was warning signs. Right. But it's so easy, especially with girls because girls are so hard to read. They're very emotional and you don't know, is this their cycle? Is this just them? Are they just having a drama with their friends? We'll just kind of write it out and not say anything. Like, it's just so hard to know. Like, what would have been a kind way, a helpful way for your parents to come and address your fallout there? Yeah, I I really do wish that that they would trust their gut. My mom has talked about that a lot where she she just didn't feel right about it. She didn't feel like I was okay. Even though she was, you know, like what you've said, it could probably it might just be a teenager thing. But like deep down she was like there's something that's not right and I wish that she would have maybe acted on that and come and talk to me and I feel like that is such a it, it's something that's thrown around so much you know like go talk to your kids go have conversations but really like that would change so much if parents would come and talk to their kids more often you know and not just have it like a I'm going to take you on a date we're going to call that good but like just building that relationship with their kids and talking to them and getting to know them and letting the kids trust you. And of course, I know that that's, that's kind of difficult for parents because you don't want to like be their best friend. You still want to be their parents, but just having, having that trust, you know, building that trust where your kids can come and talk to you when they're struggling or when they have questions. Mm -hmm. like, like, I, I think it's really surprising how much kids are willing to talk about things that they're going through when they have that opportunity, that chance, and they feel safe. Yeah. And the parents are the perfect people to come talk to. You know, if the kids know that they're there for them. So. That's so 
that's the best resource. And you know, I've never been able to ask a teenager if this is a really good idea, but I often share this with moms and mothers you know, that, and tell me if this would have been helpful for you, because this will be fun to find out. I'll say, it's so great to give your kids a really anonymous, safe way to give you a signal that doesn't involve their voice at all or seeing your face at all. Just give them something that they just know, hey, this thing on the fridge, if it's ever turned on this side with this magnet, that's a sign that you would like to have a conversation with us. Or see this card whenever you come up and you know, put this card in my hand or on my pillow, that's a no judgment zone. I know that whatever we're gonna talk about, there's gonna be no judgment. I won't get upset or cry. Well, maybe I'll cry. It's okay if I cry, <laughs> but I won't get upset and yell and mistreat you. I'll try to hear you where you're at and then I'll, you know, I might go off and pray about it for a while and then come back and talk to you some more, but it's a no judgment zone. No matter what's happened, you could come talk, but you don't have to say it with your mouth until I say, oh, I noticed your thing. Thanks for giving that to me. You know, that probably took a lot of courage just to do that part, right? Anyway, I often tell parents, create something, even if it's a, you know, a dry erase marker on the mirror, anything that just is, this is our signal between you and us. And you can even make each child a different signal. So nobody's knowing that they're having private talks. Do you know what I mean? So everybody just understands that this is a no judgment zone and it's super safe. You don't even have to use your voice or your eyeballs. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. You would have liked that. Would you maybe have used that? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Okay. That would have helped so much. Just take away so much of the pressure, you know, because it is so intimidating, like walking up to them, being aware of your siblings that might be watching or, you know, that's just so scary. But I love that idea. Like you can come when you're ready and your parents don't have to talk to you right now. You know, just, I love that. I think that's great advice. All right, on with the story. <laughs> okay, 2017. Okay, yeah, so the notes. So like my heart was softened and I was ready to change. And it was amazing. I was just talking to my best friend at the time. We were just on a car ride and we just got talking about all these deep things that we were struggling with. And I finally just told her and it was so freeing. Um, it was the first time I ever even like said it out loud and was honest with myself and with someone else. And so that, I, I was just so excited. I'm like, oh my goodness, like I can do this. I'm going to go talk to the bishop next week. And so. So you thought I'm still alive. I thought I was going to die. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> I totally thought I was going to die when I did that. Yeah. Wow. So it was amazing just getting that out of my head. And what you know, did your best friend say to you or do like was it just amazing because you got it out or was it also amazing because her response and what she also shared that was hard for her what was so it was pretty amazing because she was able to say like me too like I but it like it wasn't the same issue but it was very similar so like I'm like oh my goodness so I'm not the only one that struggles with something serious you know how shocked were you 
I was pretty shocked. I'm like, how come I didn't know about this? Like, how come we were just like suffering in silence and didn't talk to each other? You know, we're best friends. What's this about? So that's another thing to notice in this interview, right? Is you can be growing up with someone, best friends with them for years and totally be thinking, we know everything about each other. We share a lot of stuff. But the thing that you needed to really have some support in or help, like that maybe they're struggling with too, just you saying, I'm struggling, just brought out more light, right? There's something we always say in in life-changing services and it is shining light in dark corners just brings freedom. Yeah. So that was one of the best things that ever happened. (laughs) I'm so grateful because I don't know if I would have the courage to come and talk to my parents or anyone else. So that was super cool to be able to talk to my best friends, someone I was comfortable with. Yeah. So I got the courage and I went to the bishop's office and I was able to talk with him and that was so freeing. And just, I walked out. It was just I like have never felt the Savior's love more strong in my life. And I'm like, wow, I was carrying so much weight on me for so long. And now it's just like gone. And it was just so, it was so cool. I could like physically feel that. And so that was, that was early in 2018. And I really just had no desire to do that anymore. So like I changed my life. I really changed all of those bad habits, those bad coping mechanisms. And I turned outward. I started serving in the temple more and just really, really trying to bring more light into my life. And I deleted a lot of my social media apps and just made a bunch of changes. And so that was really cool because I was able to pretty much stop doing pornography, kind of cold turkey, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) which is really cool. But then of course, you know, like I was I was like, how did that just happen? Like I was struggling with it for years. How did I just like stop? Am I like healed? Like, this is so cool. Yeah, you go. I was just going to say so many people, especially a young woman, maybe especially, but I think everybody, but if you have something to go to the bishop about, there's this fear that when I say like, he's probably called you to be the class president, he's probably just knows what an incredible girl you are, that you have come in for interviews and you always say the right things. So now you're going to say this. Weren't you afraid he'd be like, what, Ashley? I can't believe that. Like, were you afraid at all? Or did you think, I don't care what he does. Now that I've got a little light in the corner, I'm going for it. Yeah, I was definitely nervous, but I was... That's a good point. I, yeah, I was very nervous. I didn't know how he would react because I haven't, (laughs) I just had no idea, but I just trusted the Lord and I went and knew that it would be okay. That's so good. And it was, it was great. (laughs) That's really all. I just really wanted anyone who's listening, who's thinking I could never talk to the bishop about this. I mean, I'm a girl. That's the bishop. You know, I'm not going to talk to anybody about this very private, embarrassing thing that, that I'm struggling with. So to just notice that you, how you said you felt 
coming out of there was just even more illuminating than when you told your friend. It was even more light that it was just, I just want everybody to hear that whatever the father of all lies, whatever the enemy is telling you about, you know, the bishop's office and that, that you're the girl that's so good. He's going to die when he hears you say that. He'll never want to look at you again from the pulpit, wherever he's sitting. You know, that, to just hear from Ashley's story that, yeah, even though that fear feels so real, it sounds so true inside of your head, that is not going to be the story. So you were just met with love and just a kindness of listening. Did he want to grill you and say, how long has this been going on and, and how many times do you do this and where did you go look? Show me all the stuff you've looked at. No? Of course, I can't say that for all bishops. I'm not sure. But, but my bishop was great. Yeah. Most bishops with young women are going to be so kind, so honoring of that space because, wow, that... That's just such a beautiful thing, being someone who is a representative of the Lord, to know that you're so beloved, you know, and you've come to relieve a burden, and you're willing to trust this calling, this space, and allow me to, to take that burden from you and help you with it. So good. Thanks for that. I just had to go back and touch on that. Yeah. Okay. So I stopped cold turkey, basically. But then later that year, in July, I had a double jaw surgery. And I couldn't... Why did you do that? Why, <laughs> Why did I do that? Why do people get double jaw surgery? <laughs> that does not sound fun. It was not fun, but it needed to happen. It wasn't... Yeah. It just needed to be happening. Yeah. So my mouth was wired shut for a month. And I wasn't able to eat solid food, which was awful. And so when I came out of that and I was able to start eating food, I started binging and I developed binge eating disorder, which lasted for about nine months. It was just a vicious cycle. I couldn't stop. And it was really scary. And to cope with that, with that trauma, I reverted back to the pornography and the masturbation. And so it was just like so extreme, just everything I was doing. And it was such a roller coaster. It was so scary. And I just remember thinking like, did I not repent of this? Like, did I not do this right? Like, how come I turned back to this? Like, what's going on? So that was really scary. And I didn't know what to do, you know? You know, when you, you know, when you were able to eat again, did it just because I had some prep listening to another podcast that Ashley did, there was something right there that you mentioned in another podcast that I listened to that I thought, well, of course, that would be such the case. And the enemy could come in right there and just really make a big old mess with that. Like if you'd been looking at pornography and you're really into social media, you'd probably been thinking, this is what acceptable body types look like. Right. And then when you started this binge eating, did you gain weight? Yep. Yeah. Body image. That was a huge thing. And I was all into like trying to lose weight 
which is so ridiculous because I just like went through puberty. It's not like I was right. super overweight, but, you know, just seeing those images online, you know, just seeing like this perfect body, you know, it's just not attainable. You know, they're all Photoshop and stuff. So yeah, that was really, that was hard because I was starving for a whole month. And then when I started eating, I wanted to control that and, you know, keep my weight off and, Mm. So yeah, that was very dangerous. That was really hard. And especially because I didn't know, you know, what was healthy. I didn't know that that is not realistic. That's not healthy. I shouldn't be trying to achieve that. So Mm. that was really hard. And it's sad because that's how a lot of girls are thinking nowadays. So true. So true. Yeah. Just like, what's the standard? Well, that's the standard. And Mm -hmm. I love that you said that's unattainable and that is not real. And we could, we can get really, oh, just really confused and misled. And our expectation of what we need to look like, should look like in order to be approved or acceptable, you know, attractive. Oh, so dangerous what the young women are facing. So that was really hard. And I did open up to my mom about that. I did tell her about the eating. And so that was helpful to have someone else know and be able to talk to her about it, you know, just through all my emotions and everything and trying to figure out other things that will help me. And yeah, so after nine months, I found intuitive eating and I was able to break that cycle, which was amazing. But you know, like the sexual addictions were still just like there. And that was really hard. I was like trying to figure it out on my own because I hadn't even told my parents at this point yet. And so I was trying so many different ways. I was just white knuckling it. And I was getting, I was doing a lot better, you know, going like three months at a time in between. So that was really cool. And I was just really excited. I got to a place where, yeah, I was probably like three months sober and this was in 2020. This is where I found Colin Karchner's podcast. And he was, he was interviewing Smith Alley. I know you had him on. So I was like, oh my goodness, you're talking to a 17 year old boy about pornography. Like, this is so cool. I wish that I, I had this when I was struggling. Like, that would be so cool to know that I wasn't alone, even though it's a, a boy, but still, you know, so I, I, DM'd Colin on Instagram and I was like, have you ever thought about having a girl on your podcast and talking about this? Not saying that I would want to do that, but you know, like I have this story, like that would have really helped me. And he's like, why don't you come on and tell us your story? And so I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Like I, I'm not really far into my recovery journey, but like I have a story I can share, you know? So I scheduled this podcast and and then I was like hey mom by the way I'm going to share a story about this addiction and I feel like I need to tell you before I tell the whole world so that's what I told my parents and I was really nervous but I just I felt like it was right you know I just things were working out like the spirit was leading me to this and so I told her and I was very (laughs) grateful that she reacted really well, you know, and and that was really cool. And I wish I 
would have talked to her earlier. Yeah, so, so <laughs> you know, <laughs> she didn't kick you out. No, she didn't kick me out. Yeah, so what did she do? Tell us what she did do. First off, she didn't yell at me and she just met me with a lot of love. She also opened up about some of her past experiences mm. and, you know, just showing me that she isn't a perfect person. You know, parents aren't perfect. Surprise. Totally. <laughs> so that was really cool to like hear some things that she went through and she also really spent a lot of time with me. You know, we went on walks together and we just talked. Yeah. So that was really cool just to, just to connect with her. And I'm grateful that she really spent the time to be with me and help me. So, yeah. Wow. So she met you with love and she also created some space for you and her to just talk some more and keep that door open of you've just shared something and you're about to do something that's kind of a big deal and you've been struggling with this for this long. I'm sure that hurt her heart. I'm sure it made her sad, but yeah, but she didn't say, why didn't you tell me? And oh, I'm just so disappointed. She didn't go there. Wow. Yeah, and yeah, I guess I went on to the podcast, and which was great. It was hard because that was like the first time I really like told my story. So it was very, very raw. I don't know if I'd recommend doing that, <laughs> but it was a good experience. And then after that, I went with Colin to speak at the Utah Coalition Against Pornography in St. George, also with Smith Alley and a few other guys. And then after that, I just like was feeling so good about this, even though it was so scary, but just like all the positive feedback, you know, so many people were reaching out. They're like, oh my goodness, I struggle with this too. You know, even like girls that, mm. that I knew. And so I was like, oh, I gotta keep, I gotta keep doing this. You know, someone's gotta talk about this. So I just went on a bunch of other podcasts and I was really doing well myself in my recovery journey. Like that was kind of like a passion project mm -hmm. and that was really cool. It kind of went downhill. I started slipping up again and I just started feeling lost and almost like I wasn't like I was going on podcasts still, but I, it didn't feel very genuine anymore because I was struggling with it myself I'm like I can't keep doing this I can't keep talking about how I'm doing so well and I'm on the other side of this because I was struggling and so that's when I found life-changing surfaces in February of this year and yeah. that was that changed everything you know how did you find it what? how did I find it Smith Alley <laughs> Oh, Smith told Yeah, he told, he was, you know, I just heard about him talking about Sons of Helaman. So I'm like, okay. And he told me about this woman's one. So. So good. So did you join Daughters of Light or Warrior Women of Light? You might have done Daughters of Light and moved into Warrior Women of Light. It was called Daughters of Light at first, but it was changed to Warrior Women of Light. So I'm not sure which one it was. Yeah, yeah maybe you were there when they... Yeah, when Warrior Women of Light went live. Uh -huh. You're probably at the age where you'd go to the women's group. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was amazing. And I'm so grateful I found it. Like, you know, just having that support, you know, like I didn't, I didn't realize how important that was to have 
a group of women with similar struggles and just talking about that, that was amazing. And then also just finding the savior, you know, building that relationship. Mm. That was like such a big part, you know, and I didn't realize how important that was. And, you know, also just finding out about Satan and the war and just everything. It just like made sense. And then, you know, like my journey changed. It wasn't just like holding on, trying to be sober. It was actually like I was in recovery. You know, I was healing. I could just feel such a big difference and others could see the difference. And I just, I'm just so grateful I found that. And, you know, since then I've been able to speak on more podcasts and be like, this is really honestly like what helped me, you know, I've gone through a lot of ups and downs and stuff and I'm still on my journey myself, but I feel like I'm actually getting somewhere know making progress wow so you said that when you found daughters of light you had no idea how important support would be and having young women meet you in a place where like we're all being very very real like we're here because you know not every girl was struggling on with i know about daughters of light and so it's lots of different issues, right? Not everyone yeah. in there is, because Sons of Helaman is pretty, you know, centralized to, you know, this is for sexual self-mastery, but because young women exhibit the difficulties that they face from, yeah, a really emotionally based place and their behaviors come out in lots of different ways that they struggle with, you know, that some are struggling with sexual self-mastery that's why they would attend daughters of light and others might be anxiety and depression or self-harm or maybe you know self-esteem and morality you know totally so and even though like not everyone did struggle with the same issue like you know just it's amazing to be with the group of women who are you know satan's attacking us basically the same way and yeah. so like you can just connect to them and i don't know <laughs> it was it's really amazing yeah if you want to kick satan's trash one of the first things you can do is oh it causes him so much pain when you decide that you're not going to listen to the isolation lie anymore and you become which you have become such a warrior princess at this to say I alone, Ashley Air, know how important it is not to believe that lie, that I'm going to use my voice to create more of a story for young women out there so that they can hear, girls, it's okay to struggle and you're mm -hmm. still amazing you and it's going to get better. But yeah, it's just incredible that connection and Girls thrive in connection. Yeah. They really do. Like, it's our language. So, yeah, if you have a girl that's struggling, counseling is so good, you know? And so's working with a bishop, so good. But it is so powerful to help her to have a connection in a safe place. Such a powerful dynamic. Another thing you mentioned about Daughters of Light was that you started building a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And, you know, someone listening to this might be thinking, well, wait a minute, she's been a member of the church her whole life. What do you mean she starts building a relationship with Jesus Christ? What would you say to that? Man, I love that. I feel like a lot of times in church growing up, you just hear a lot of stuff. You know, you hear those lessons over and over and over again. You go to seminary and it's amazing, but there's just something about really applying all of those things, you know, and just, and Daughters of Light was, there's just so many tools to make it easy to do it, you know, and to take these steps and be like, oh yeah, I have learned about this lesson growing up in church and this is how I apply it. Okay. That makes sense, you know, and, and, and just really prioritizing, even like primary steps, you know, the primary answers like scriptures and prayer, like Mm -hmm. it's amazing how how important those actually are you know and I just think that it's it just it's really about you know applying those things that we've learned in church so it's kind of like I don't know I'm hearing you like say something like it's kind of like oh yeah I did grow up in the church and I knew all of that what it sounded like when you say it you know but what it looked like when you actually apply it to my life in a challenging place or any place, I didn't quite understand how it looked. Yeah. To apply that. But there were some tools there and some processes maybe that you found that showed you this is how you would seek for the spirit with some intention, with some slowing down, with really wanting to hear something or this is who Jesus Christ is for you. Ponder about that for a while and write about it maybe. Like just really get into, let's slow down. Let's really try to get real and meet. How about if we meet Jesus Christ? I love how you talked about slowing down. It's like that's so important. You know, that's like a lot of what we do in group. A lot of it is we talk about our journaling. We slow down and we talk about, you know, the thought processes, you know, seeing like what happened, why I felt this way and then why I acted this way and just really slowing down and not letting, you know, just life happen to us, letting Satan get in and, you know, you just keep making this thing happens over and over again. So I love how you brought up slowing down. It's so important. Yeah. And it's almost like it introduces, not only do you say, let's meet Jesus. It's like, let's really meet you. Yeah. Let's really meet you and see how incredible you are. Even in a messy place, you're still just so incredible. So that's another thing is I think group just obliterates that lie of you're the only one that's this messed up. Yeah. Such a big deal. So. With, I love, too, that you brought up that, you know, you learned about Satan and the war is real. Like, yeah, how did that help you to know who you were fighting? It was just so cool to know that I wasn't fighting myself. You know, thinking that I was just a sick person that just can't this out, you know, just... It's not me, you know, it's Satan. And how come we didn't hear about this much growing up? Like we hear about the armor of God, but like, what does that mean? You know, like, what is this war? 
you know, it just doesn't seem like it could be real. So that was really cool. Like this is real and this is how you can fight. It gives you a lot of power and, and it just is so nice to know that you're not fighting yourself. You're not a bad person. You know, that, that God is really there and he's wanting you to come to open up the door and let him, you know, fight with you. And that was, it's just so cool to learn about that. So. Yeah, that is incredible to know where to uh, to see the real enemy and how he's keeping you from yourself and your identity and how he's keeping you from Christ and the power that he has to help you because you resist all that because of the stuff you're believing. So, oh, Ashley, you've been so wonderful. I've kept you a long time because <laughs> you're the first of your kind on this podcast. I had to keep you a long time. <laughs> So, oh, thank you so much for all my heart with all of our combined hearts as we're listening. This has been such a sweet gift. And as it relates to recovery, yeah, what does recovery mean? Recovery for me means that I don't give up, that I know who I am and I know that life is going to be messy. I'm going to make mistakes, but I know who I am. I know that I have such a big support team that, you know, I can handle whatever's thrown at me and I can keep getting back up. I can keep learning. I can keep growing. I can, you know, I'm not going to let Satan knock me down and keep me there. I'm not going to let him keep me isolated you know, he's not going to be able to do that to me anymore. And I, and I know that it's scary. Recovery is hard. It takes a lot of work, but it's so worth it. And the savior is right there helping. And it's not something I have to white knuckle. You know, I can have so much power, you know, being side by side with the savior and following him and, I know that one day I will be perfect and that's not today. (laughs) So I will just keep going and yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. And you know what? We talked before we started our recording for this interview, just Brad Wilcox talk from general conference recently. Worthiness is not flawlessness. That being worthy is being honest and trying and that the savior is so willing to to beat us where we're at but he doesn't want to leave us there he just wants to help us get to a better place so good well thank you so much ashley and i really feel impressed to ask you one more question you're probably thinking i i either need to just go i gotta go (laughs) you're good (laughs) ask you one more question and it is just yeah who are you like What would you say if I were to say, who are you, Ashley? First off, I'm Ashley Ayer. I am a daughter of God. I am beautiful. I'm strong. I'm a warrior. I am that has a lot of light and she loves to share her light. And that has taken me a long time to be able to say that that is really hard 
for me to figure out what my worth is and understand that that the savior has told me that that's what it is and i believe it and that's a big reason why i fight is because i know who i am yeah nothing feels better than hearing it from a source where you think that was not a lie yeah so good all right well thanks for being with us everyone and told you i told you it's gonna be a neat one thanks for being with us we'll see you next time Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers You Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Did They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA-age young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothersyouknow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know. And on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know last if you would like additional support and training please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms you can also go to the mothers you know website at mothers or our parent company life-changing services at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones thank you so much for listening today Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.